And actually, Feynman gives a good example of this, right? So if you know the names of all the birds out there, mm. let's say, mm. this is called pigeon, or this is called uh, babbler, and the technical, maybe even the biological names for each of these birds. But does that really tell you anything about the birds? Mm. Versus looking at a bird and saying, wow, the shape of those wings are so unique. But why are they shaped like that? How does it help the bird fly? Mm. Um, where is this bird laying its eggs? Why there? How does it know how to create a structure in the nest which is engineered such that it doesn't collapse due to rain? Absolutely, yeah. yeah that's These are questions you should be asking. Right. But what is science to most people? Oh man, I have to learn a bunch of technical words. Right. So you just, it's a perspective change. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast. My name is Manoj, an engineer by qualification, a banker by profession, and a podcaster by passion. My goal is to really bring people who have actually charted the unconventional path, explore their learnings and share that with you. So I'm super excited to have you join me on this show. And now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rare Earth Podcast where my guest today is Sitara Srinivasan. Uh, she is the founder at Nakshatra Sciences and Collaborative Research. She is a science educator, a constant learner and an intellectual. She is one of the most youngest guests I've had yet on my uh, podcast. In this episode, we really had a ton of fun because she really helps us explore sciences in a way we never imagined. Just to give you a few key highlights of this episode, this includes at the age 22, how she developed a vision to really start her own company. She also goes on to explain how she collaborates with hundreds of scientists to work directly with her company. She also explains uh, Newton's law. Yes, we have heard Newton's law before, but here you will actually get to learn in a way you will understand. Uh, speaks about the problem with pseudoscience and how we can really avoid it. Sitara is a very, very multi-talented, intellectual science educator. And by the end of this episode, you will really, really develop a whole new idea about how to explore your curiosities. So this episode also includes a ton of book recommendations, which I think will definitely open up a lot of avenues for people who are really curious. So with that, let's kickstart this episode with the one and only Sitara Srinivasan. So Sitara, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Rare Earth podcast. This is something I was looking forward for a while. So really happy to have you in the studios of Rare Earth. <laughs> Thank you. So excited to be here. I love what you're doing. So very happy to be here. In fact, uh, for people listening who do not know who Sitara, before we get into who Sitara is or what she does, uh, we know each other for a long time from a distance, I guess. Uh, so we have a mutual friend, uh, you know, Anandan Vasanta. And Anand was a featured speaker in my podcast in season one. So Yes. Yeah. So I know quite a few speakers <laughs> that you've <laughs> interviewed. Right. Yeah. So uh, definitely I've seen you uh, grow and um, I've seen how you have evolved in your line of work. What you've done is something very rare. And that's why you're in the Rare Earth podcast. So very happy to have you. Honored to be here. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, you are the founder of uh, Nakshatra Science and uh, Collaborative Res Research, right? Yeah. Uh, so it speaks about building a cross-institutional scientific community. It's a project-based uh, learning platform. 
and it actually enables access to unique mentors and research opportunities which is a bunch of things actually for people to understand so could you just uh, throw us a little bit about what is that you do and uh, what is uh, nakshatra science is all about Okay, you're right in the sense that it's a bunch of things, yeah, uh, and it's an umbrella of different ideas. But at the very core of the idea is to bridge the gap, right? And there are many gaps in the current education system. But the first gap is mentorship for most people who are ambitious and want to learn something, or also maybe build or create something new in their area of research. The biggest hurdle, at least in India, is the access to mentorship. so that is the first thing that we are really trying to bridge but there are loads of other factors do they have a suitable group of peers whom they can work with and usually the answer is no because the really passionate ones in tier 2 or tier 3 colleges are quite lonely they don't mm. usually don't have the right peer group or people who are equally passionate about something mm. so we try to bridge all of these things and connect people Okay. at the very core we are connecting people but for the the core um purpose of doing science and studying different aspects of stem so stem is science technology engineering and math oh okay so okay. we are broadly platform for project based learning in stem domains is stem a commonly used acronym or is it something you guys launched no stem is a very popular oh, acronym okay. it's used widely so in this conversation there will be many instances where i am entering territories i have no idea about yeah i will i will uh, try my best to keep okay. it as uh, yeah understandable so, uh, i understand that you did not have any conventional job after your education right did you go into a 9 to 5 kind of a job or did you straight away launch your uh, nakshatra sciences w- what was the story yeah, behind that yeah i have never worked for a conventional you never worked yeah, right yeah i've never had <laughs> so uh, when did you launch nakshatra sciences how old were you then i was i was 22 you were 22 Okay. Yeah, I had the idea maybe when I was 21 years old. Okay. And it was brewing in my head, but when I graduated, yeah. that was like that was it. Like I had the sudden sense of freedom and I had all this time and I was just always certain that I wouldn't fit in. I obviously don't have anything against 9 to 5 jobs. Mm. But it was just this inner compass. I knew I wouldn't fit in, and mm. I, and that I would probably be unhappy. So I didn't even sit for placements in college. Really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> go into that. <laughs> yeah. I just passed out, and I spent the next six months or so traveling. Where I did w- you travel to? I actually went to Europe for three months. You did? Okay. Yeah, and that was really new and a very novel experience. And I actually didn't just go trekking. I also decided to go and visit certain universities. No. So I did that. It was almost like like a university hopping kind of thing. I met scientists. I got to visit one of the most well-known, the largest particle physics laboratory in the world. Okay. Uh, it's in Switzerland. It's called CERN. Okay. C-E-R-N. That was like a childhood dream. Oh really? That okay, was, so yeah. we will definitely uh, touch a little about uh, your childhood and how this the spark for sciences emerged. Okay, but yeah, so you, uh, you went on to set up your uh, company at the age twenty two. Yeah, so I just finished traveling, came back. I had a bunch of ideas with me, and I just started it. I I just knew that there was something missing in my experience of the education, and I knew there were certain loopholes, and I felt I could do it. I I. Could. So what what do you mean by loopholes? So. Nakshatra whatever i've built mm. is deeply personal because it's coming from a very personal experience for me i was in an engineering college okay but i always had a passion for something else i had a passion for physics and science but i think there's always this traditional uh, route that people take right now and uh, they get stuck in 
educational experiences mm-hmm. which is not catered to their tastes or interests so i felt uh, that there could be so much more in terms of how i was learning and mm-hmm. who i was learning with mm. so like i already mentioned i think i had so many experiences outside of college during those four years okay. which gave me the input and inspiration to figure out this kind of solution that might actually solve and my first intuition for that solution is that i have to build a community okay okay so it started off with that i think uh, in in today's uh, day and age there's a lot of emphasis on especially in the creator economy they are speaking about community building which is yeah. like a like a big thing and you started this way back then which is interesting so you were ahead of the curve understanding the power of community the power of collaborating with the right kind of people and uh, building something around that that's fascinating so going back to your origin story yeah okay i want to dig and understand how did your family actually facilitate this environment for you to get interested in sciences and uh, especially astronomy right? yeah 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 it's fairly unconventional and i don't really have anyone in my family actively doing scientific research or anything of that sort right. so it it basically came from a variety of inputs mm-hmm. as a child and it actually started off with philosophy and not science Oh interesting to Could be it? yeah to be honest it didn't really start with like scientific questions mm-hmm. but i was probably 11 years old 12 years old okay. and i was really interested in hey what is death or See, yeah or, that, that is a very <laughs> unusual quest for a 11 year old yeah it it just fascinated me because i i was a curious kid in general but this these big overarching questions about life where do we come from how did the universe begin these were questions that i actually asked from a more general philosophical viewpoint and i think my dad really played a role because he played along and actually answered these questions and okay. sometimes even introduced me to these new territories and slowly it evolved and i realized that the vehicle to answer such big questions is science so right? let's just take a pause there can you recollect what was the trigger point for you to actually ask such questions like do you remember what was the reason for you to feel that way was it the conversations that your dad used to have in the house or were there books what triggered that for you i started reading pretty young so i would definitely say books were a contributing factor okay but i think in general my dad is a pretty eccentric guy so okay. he would speak about these things okay. often okay there were some questions about spirituality and philosophy some going around in the house and he would teach me things even as a 6 year old stuff that i would never understand like what Like he taught me about different types of people and personalities as a six-year-old. He ah, would talk okay. to me about. Actually, he was the one who introduced the concept of death. Like he, ah. as a seven-year-old, he was like, "Do you know that this is what happens?" And then I cried and I went to my <laughs> grandmom and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know this happens." And it was so he was not. He didn't really subscribe to the traditional way of upbringing. Mm-hmm. So he exposed me to a variety of ideas. So I would definitely say he played a role. Right. But my transition to science happened also because of YouTube. To be perfectly honest, okay. I think I was 13 when I got exposed to Khan Academy. Okay. And this whole process of self-learning kicked in. Mm-hmm. Until today, I my first identity is that of a self-learner because everything I know and do professionally right now, it's completely self-taught. So in some sense that was the beginning of my self learning journey. Yeah, so your family even though they were deeply spiritual, mm-hmm. you did not feel inclination towards faith compared to like you you made took a very radical approach towards sciences. Yeah. Uh, which is almost like people feel you're atheist of sort. So what's what's the contrast there? Yeah, interesting observation. I think maybe I could have just 
probably diverted into spirituality right. and i did read a lot of books by osho and stuff as a kid oh i'm a huge but, lover of osho oh, really? i still really enjoy his talks and right. books but so as a practical way of approaching a question let's say you have a question about what is consciousness hmm. really big vague abstract hmm. 200 years ago there is no way that a scientist would be able to tackle that problem mm, mm. but today we have the resources to tackle problems like that mm. i can actually sit down with a group of scientists and try to understand neuroscience and maybe begin to develop a model of consciousness mm. and it's very similar to other questions like how did the universe begin you go back 500 years there's no way you're going to answer that with science right it right. borders on spirituality and metaphysics mm. today it is physics it is cosmology So I felt that the vehicle to for me to uh, be able to answer these questions at some point in my life would be science. But okay. the objective and goal was still that that I should become someone who just has a slightly better understanding of how reality functions. Right. I was very curious about how the world works. Mm. So mm. that drove everything. Interesting. Did that create any kind of resistance in the family because you had a completely uh, different approach to you know uh, exploration? Yeah, I think I became I started identifying as an agnostic or an atheist pretty young. <laughs> <laughs> so it is not smooth in any sense, yeah. but even today I have debates at home. Right. Uh, there is a constant conflict because they understand that I I am skeptical about everything right, and therefore yeah. I question everything. But in their fundamental opinion there are things that should not be questioned. Right, right. But okay. that goes against all of science. Yeah, yeah. So even today we have these debates right. so we have reached a consensus that we will coexist peacefully <laughs> in the same house and uh, yeah so we compromise to some no, extent no wonderful i think uh, there are some interesting points that i can notice of course your dad was instrumental in uh, triggering those conversations in the beginning and he has enabled you to really think for yourself uh, independently and uh, yeah i think there is some role that he played and then you took on from there on So that's an interesting start to that journey. So did you have any heroes or role models when you were a child? Did you look up to as you started doing your own self study, YouTube, mm-hmm. reading up, did you develop a, a liking towards any kind of heroes or Yeah, I think for me as a child it was mostly scientists. Mm-hmm. Um I was drawn to thinkers basically people who thought about different things and revolutionized the way we see them. Okay. So I think Stephen Hawking was someone I came to know about maybe as a 13 year old okay. so I read two three of his books just when you were 13 year. years old yeah wow okay um and I read two three of his books and a little bit later on I came to know about Richard Feynman mm. so he was really someone I looked up to in general this question is interesting like do you have role models I actually have an unconventional approach that people should not idolize others too much right because finally you're never going to be like someone mm. you're just going to be yourself right so in that sense i didn't really have that one person who i up- was obsessed with but there were people whose ideas i was really drawn to like richard feynman is someone who really just played with science mm-hmm. like he didn't he was not this usual idea of a scientist what do you get right a dude with a beard and spectacles sitting and doing really serious notes right Richard Feynman played with science. He was this guy who would go and he would like do a little bit of cryptography. He would try breaking into locks uh, and all of that was fun to him and he would try to derive 
inspiration from everyday life. He was at, at a cafeteria and somebody spilled something and the cup went flying into the air and he saw how that rotated. Okay. And he was able to actually come up with a whole branch of physics from that. Wow. Like the drive to consistently stay curious. Mm-hmm. You need inspiration for that. Right. Because if you really think about it, the job of a scientist is to never lose that childhood curiosity right, throughout so, adulthood yeah so he had that playfulness in him exactly. while he's exploring these deep subjects yeah and i right. really related with that right okay. i loved his story so, so which was the book you had read about him was it the surely yeah you, surely you, you must, must be, be joking mr feynman so that's actually not even a science book anyone could pick correct. it up and read it correct yeah but it's about his story right and that was fascinating wow that's interesting see when we speak about science we feel this is this uh body of knowledge mm-hmm. okay and I, I feel it's a sometimes we just are not even approaching sciences because we think that is this whole thing that I don't think I can ever understand but I've come to realize that it's actually the questions that we arrive at which will build the curiosity in us to really explore that okay how, do, how does one develop that sense of curiosity or how do we facilitate that way of approaching to things Mm. Like be it workplace, be it schools, how can we really encourage kids to think in a way where it is more scientific or more curiosity based learning? Usually when you think about learning science and you give this idea to an adult, he immediately imagines really complicated textbooks with really technical words. And actually Feynman gives a good example of this, right? So if you know the names of all the birds out there, Mm. let's say Mm. this is called pigeon or this is called babbler and the technical, maybe even the biological names for each of these birds. But does that really tell you anything about the birds Mm. versus looking at a bird and saying, wow, the shape of those wings are so unique, but why are they shaped like that? How does it help the bird fly? Mm. Um, Where is this bird laying its eggs why there you know how tall does that particular structure have to be for it to safely lay eggs Mm. how does it know how to create a structure in the nest which is engineered such that it doesn't collapse due to rain absolutely yeah yeah these are questions you should be asking but what is science to most people oh man i have to learn a bunch of technical words right so you just it's a perspective change Mm -hmm. so curiosity like you said is driven by good questions. Mm, mm. I actually believe there are bad questions and good questions. Right, right. You can ask, what is the name of that? Describe this, define that. And then there are good questions. Why does something happen? Right. And I was, as a child, really attracted to defining and understanding the causality of stuff. Mm. And I think that's why I got attracted to science. So most kids, if they are taught to think in a first principles approach, Mm. you can take anything in the world, break it down, and think from a first principles approach. Could you give an example of how do you think from first principles? Okay. So either you can try to have a three, uh, th- uh, three lines of definition for what the uh, universal law of gravitation is. Mm. Or you could try understanding it from the perspective of what is happening between two objects in, in vacuum. Mm. What would happen if I just leave two objects in vacuum? What would happen to them? Hmm. And then you start to develop an intuition. So first principles approach is initiated by whatever intuition you have about that concept. Okay. So you must have heard of F is equal to MA, right? Yeah, Newton's yeah. second law. Right. What does that even mean? But then if I said, hey, if a truck is coming towards you hmm. very slowly, hmm. but it's huge, hmm. would you be able to stop it with a hand? Hmm. You can't. Yeah, because right? the, the, the mass is... Yeah. Big, like ma- massive, right? So, it's ma- it's mm. massive. And then there is a cycle, mm. which is relatively 
light mm. but let's say it's going really fast you're a cyclist right 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 you know cycles can go really <laughs> fast right if it's going really fast can you stop it with a hand no 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 but the mass is much lesser why are you not able to stop it right. so there is something to do with velocity and acceleration right so then you realize there are these two ideas which mm. have to be married together to mm. define what it takes to stop an object which mm. is nothing but force mm-hmm. you're changing the state of an object right so mass contributes and then there's also something like acceleration and then you combine them and you get m into a but or i could just tell you the equation <laughs> or i could really tell you a story right so it's a completely different way of looking at the same thing wow that that breakdown was very interesting i think clearly instantly it is relatable to any lay person also they can understand yeah. hey if i'm looking at a big body moving closer to me yeah and the, even though the speed is slow i won't be able to stop it very interesting okay yeah. nice see we hear claims made by uh, so many people in, in this day and age we we have these whatsapp forwards coming in mm-hmm. we have interesting people sharing very strong claims about things which are completely unscientific okay what is an approach that you suggest or what is a framework uh, through which people should actually look into these kind of things um i respect that you brought that question up <laughs> first of all <laughs> kudos to you so pseudoscience is a big problem right okay and in a country like india it is a much bigger problem because you are brought up with ideas that you do not want to stop believing in or you are not allowed to question you are not allowed to question right yeah. now these stories that they tell you to never question them hmm. and that's a big problem so i think and why do you think that is that is to for compliance sake just to no i think people are loyal to hmm. some past hmm because they want to feel a sense of pride mm. about where they come from mm. so they get they become loyal and obsessed with certain ideas about their past mm. and they identify themselves with that yeah so when it becomes your identity then you get offended mm. by anyone questioning it mm. so first of all any ritual any claim anything that's made out there for the general person stop tying your identity to it right and if you can do that and just create a se- layer of separation then mm. you can think objectively and rationally mm. and it's important because these things as a society we start believing in them and then on top of those stories you can build another layer of stories mm. so as a society we are going completely in a in another direction instead right. of a scientific direction right and then those stories can get translated into actions that powerful people do mm. powerful decisions that can be made mm. so it it is a real problem pseudoscience is a real problem the best way to counter it is to be open to debates back then they people would have discourses right, right. it's not like india always had a bunch of pseudoscience we are we were deeply scientific mm. we have produced texts which are more advanced mathematically and scientifically than maybe any other country in the world mm. but we don't talk about those today we don't talk about leelavati by bhaskaracharya we don't talk about surya siddhanta we talk about some random pseudoscience why <laughs> maybe bring out what actually uh, we have created and then feel proud of those things mm. rather than manifesting and you know creating these ideas that are semi true so the best way to uh solve this problem is to have open discourse mm. it should not be made taboo mm. such that you can't even question them right and people like you who have a voice <laughs> i think anyone out there who has a voice should just have the courage to ask why right how do you know that's right do you have evidence mm. do you have empirical data mm. can you prove that mm. good questions and then if they are defensive then you need to find a way of making them comfortable and opening a conversation so there's no point in attacking each other right 
everyone uh, is trying to protect and defend their mm. own set of beliefs so it's about opening discourses where um, you're respectful towards each other i think yeah, so the idea of challenging it or questioning or asking them to pr- produce some kind of evidence which proves the claim in a polite and nice way where at least and sometimes having that conversation opens the eyes for the person who's also making the claim because they have never inspected that aspect of that claim ever right so exactly yeah uh you you really seem to have an incredible ability to work on multiple projects you are one of the youngest guests that i have had you know in my list of guests yet and uh, so you wear multiple hats you have different projects going on so how do you develop this ability and how do you have this kind of bandwidth okay first of all i don't think it's true that i'm good at multitasking what i am good at is compartmentalization so like in my life there, there are within nakshatra mm-hmm. there are like six things going on at the same time and apart from that i have the small side project and i'm studying <laughs> so there is a lot going on so the way i deal with pressure or multitasking in general is to say right now i'm going to do one thing mm. and nothing else so there are times of the day or there are entire days mm. which i dedicate to a single thing mm. and it's okay if tomorrow i switch to a completely different project and i'm focusing on that so i try to not stress myself out by thinking of all the 200 things that are still to be yet done yeah. to be done so i just do i try to do one thing at a time uh, but in general it's been a very steep learning curve mm. i've had to learn networking marketing content creation um up my teaching game yeah. so there has been a lot of learning in the last two years yeah so as a founder of a organization there are so many things which is going behind the scenes which people yeah. never get to know so uh, you definitely touched upon how critical it becomes to really market yourself put yourself i know as a brand which is visible and then equally attract interesting and talented people to come on the forum or in the community how did you accelerate that learning curve like how did you was it by trial and error or did you have mentors who supported you early on actually i didn't have many people who taught me or uh, showed me how to do things mm. so the approach i took was what is the worst that can happen ah. right if i go and approach this person right. but you must understand it's hard because i'm walking up to this really renowned scientist mm. like i've had people from nasa i've mm. had people from isro from ayuka and iasc some of the biggest institutions right. but i need to go to this person and convince him that 23 year old has a brand which they can trust in and come and share their pla- uh, knowledge in right. right so i have to make them trust me as well as my platform and i've made mistakes boy mm. oh boy <laughs> <laughs> would you want to share one of those early no, approaches okay. where you know you went on to pitch to somebody and it it didn't go that great so no so i would pitch and like maybe 4 out of 10 people or 3 out of 10 people would say yes mm. but after they say yes there are there have been so <laughs> many situations where i've screwed up okay like i would do something and then i was like yeah i would be excited and i would go ahead and post it and they were like hey you didn't take permission for me to do that <laughs> so oh, there are yeah that's serious the yeah the first few months right. where where a, it was a really steep learning curve but then i realized okay so with these people there is a certain way of handling it you need to be really respectful to the process of it and you have to uh, show yourself as a really professional brand that represents an ideology and our ideology is that of open knowledge sharing hmm. and that has to be communicated properly hmm. once that happened I started getting yes from most people mm-hmm. that I pitched to. Okay. So yeah. I think that's a incredible. I think the fact that even now much uh, older people who are in different professions uh, they really are scared even to attempt 
Correct. Or, you know, to reach out to people they do not know. So the, the, the fear of rejection, the fear of, you know, being ridiculed or looking stupid. And you have overcome that. That's, that's really uh, kudos to you. Thank you. Before we move to the books question, are there projects that you're really proud of in, in the last two, three years that you've worked on? Yeah, um, I think there have been a few <coughs> that have been very exciting. So we, we launch basically these annual um, programs and okay. the programs are usually a collection of projects. So there is something called the Equinox program that we ran first in 2020. Okay. And again, we're running it right now. So it's 2020, the, the year of COVID? 2020, yes. That okay. was, so Nakshatra is about 18 to 20 months old now. Okay. So this was September 2020. Okay. And right now it's running again, the same program. And this is something I'm really proud of. Like usually it sees about 100, 120 students from different universities coming together. Okay. And they work on a series of different projects. Okay. And the kind of experience and skills they come out with, they, it's amazing. And that was my first experiment, which I really felt succeeded. I, I experimented with things like uh, creating a highly engaging environment, helping them have peer-to-peer informal conversations, helping them create their own content. Hmm. Like how do you basically in- engage them in active learning? So Equinox is something I'm really proud of. Okay. And Equinox is something that has about four to eight weeks of focused learning in astrophysics and there have been some really fun projects like detecting pulsars and neutron stars working with working working with data that's coming straight from different telescopes around the world so yeah these are what do you for a layman who's listening what is astrophysics i know this is something maybe we can google but then from your perspective for somebody to understand what is astrophysics and what's the scope of learning that Okay, it's a simple word. You can break it down. Like astro and astronomy usually just refers to celestial objects. Mm. And astronomy is more about the visual study of the night sky, how the celestial coordinates work, what, how, are the, how do you perceive the planet, planetary motions. But when you apply physics to the same celestial objects, then you get astrophysics. Okay, okay. So now you want to study the thermodynamics of what is happening inside a star. Mm, you mm. want to study gravity around a pulsar. So you apply physics to astronomy. Uh, so what are the subjects <clears throat> that one has to be really good at to have a better understanding? I, I Obviously, physics is involved. Maths is involved. Yeah, a lot of okay. math, basically. <laughs> yeah. Start with a lot of math. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So all of physics has a lot of math. So you need to be good at math, good at the fundamentals of physics. So you might think, okay, I'm doing astrophysics, so I don't really need to know stuff like classical mechanics, but that's completely wrong. So some of the boring parts about physics, you really have to be good at to to tackle larger uh, problems in astrophysics. One more thing is programming. Programming. It, It might surprise you. Yeah. But one of the things we focus most on right now is computational astrophysics. Okay. So there's a huge amount of programming involved. I've personally taught programming to so many batches over the last few years. Wow, okay. So having the knowledge of programming in general will help you whether you're going to become a theorist or an experimentalist or a computational scientist. Okay, okay. It's very important. And and what's the scope of somebody who learns that? They go on to become these scientists in NASA or... No, so NASA is a place that's, of course, has a lot of research, but is more interested in space exploration as well. Apart from that, there are universities around the world doing incredible research in astrophysics. Okay. So if you are someone who studies it properly in the traditional academic route, you could be someone who combines different subjects and studies maybe the data coming from a telescope. Mm. Or you could be studying experiments of different particles and connecting that to the to cosmology. 
Okay. So that's called astroparticle physics. Okay. Um, or you could become a cosmologist, someone who studies the radiation coming from the very beginning of the universe. Right. Okay. Um, so there are so many different fields right now. Yeah. We hear people like Elon Musk w- w- working on projects where we are talking about colonizing in Mars, mm-hmm. things like that. And sometimes you you hear these are like very over the top ambitious projects. And is it going to be something that we will even see in our lifetimes? Uh, because there are so many moving elements and parts to this whole whole thing why focus on another planet when you know like we have enough and more happening here okay tough question but i'll, <laughs> I'll <laughs> yeah. tackle it <laughs> I, i'm just voicing it out for people who are listening also yeah. this could be a question like why are we not investing that kind of money and resources to do something on this planet correct so a lot of people uh, including environmentalists really say that um, you should first save this planet right. before trying to aim at another agreed we are re- at a crisis situation where the climate needs a lot of attention but if you really think about why we do astronomy mm. or why we have sent probes to different planets why we've sent rovers to mars it is not a simple answer like is the, you could ask me is there any reason you study astronomy mm. no because right now like tomorrow the work i do today probably will not have an immediate impact But if you look at technology over the ages it has gained immensely from space exploration programs mm-hmm. there have been so many technologies that were invented uh, just in the apollo mission or some of the different projects that nasa has taken up which has resulted in huge reformation transformations in biomedical industry in biotechnology and so on so it has first of all indirect effects mm. for the overall development of humanity because you're doing edge research mm. and when you do cutting edge research you you develop things that can be applied across different domains mm. but secondly i think if you look at people in africa 200000 years ago or whatever we had an instinct to explore right we we felt that we should explore these new lands mm. and it was not always safe it was not always rational people went to siberia and died right there were people who migrated to siberia those who found india well good for them they found some tropical lands but there were different um, basically branches of uh, humans who started exploring different parts of the world right they took a huge risk but they made it to australia mm. there's like a whole ocean between them but they still made it to australia why right just stay where you are eat the same fruits why did they feel this urge to explore right so that remains and that will continue mm. it is a basic fundamental urge and need of human kind right to explore and it is not going to stop and it's going to help in different ways you can ask how did the first ever migration from africa help mm. it created this global uh, species whom we now recognize as modern human beings mm-hmm. so you might not recognize the species tomorrow that has created a galactic colony it will be different they will be way more technologically advanced and they'll be but they would have come from us mm. curious humans who wanted to send a couple of objects and robots to mars but also maybe someday live there wonderfully stated yeah, yeah. i think the innate urge to really explore stays yeah. always yeah so coming back to books so what are some books that have shaped your thinking the most and any specific takeaways that you remember it could be any field it need not be you know okay sciences it could be any book okay so actually more recently over the last one year there's this book called zero to one i think yeah, most people yeah. yeah 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 most startup founders like a lot of people have read it i just keep revisiting that for some reason there are a lot of books i read but every month or so i find myself going over a couple of chapters okay there's one chapter in specific called secrets mm-hmm. i think it's one of the chapters 
and he simply talks about how usually people think there are easy problems to solve and impossible problems to solve hmm. but people have lost faith in the fact that there are hard problems that can be solved in the middle of easy and impossible is hard so as an entrepreneur or as a scientist your fundamental belief is that there are problems out there that i can still solve hmm. and bring a change in hmm. so for me this kind of unifies my interest for both science and entrepreneurship right because i have to believe that my company is solving something that really matters in the society and that's the same in science hmm. you have to believe that your last 20 years of research in physics is tackling something that will matter to hmm. humanity at some point but so the problem is most people assume that either things are already easy or things have already been done before right there's no space for novelty and people stop experimenting this is the biggest reason curiosity goes down mm-hmm. right right because you assume all the hard problems are already solved okay so that's that's one book yeah there's a book called the theory of everything again by stephen hawking okay. which really gets down to some of some interesting aspects of quantum mechanics there's actually a nice comic book called logic comics it's okay. about bertrand russell so okay. if you are the light reader types i would definitely recommend it so it's a illustrative type yeah okay. it's completely illustrated and it takes you through this journey of of his life okay and bertrand russell is a really uh, well known logician he came up with uh, some of the uh, most important texts about logic and mm-hmm. axiomatics okay so that's an interesting read and there's a book called chaos okay. which actually is not too technical so anyone could read it what is it about it's about the birth of this entire field called chaos okay you must have heard chaos in a general english term but it actually in physics and in science points to to a very specific subject called nonlinear dynamics and chaos theory so chaos theory um is about the imperfections usually you expect systems to be perfect mm-hmm. but if you look at weather mm. there is a huge amount of uncertainty you, know, you can try to predict it but have you ever thought about who was this first dude who believed that it is possible to even predict weather it's a miracle that we are able to do it right but it comes under this umbrella called chaos theory isn't that something to do with maybe pattern recognition maybe you've seen over a period of time mm-hmm. what happens when a b c happens obviously next is d so something like that is what they are doing with weather is that the approach they take if if the clouds are like this the if the waves are like this the moon mm-hmm. is like this then this is what happens next yeah you you brought up a really uh, you know good point in that these systems are usually deterministic hmm. that means they are simple systems usually if you have hmm. a b c you can calculate d but the problem is they exhibit something called sensitive dependence initial conditions okay that means very technical <laughs> <laughs> not really it yeah. just means that if you have a system that has enough uh, that has this feature called complexity okay then just a small change in the initial condition can give rise to an absolutely different outcome which is not at all easy to predict yeah which was never factored in your planning yeah. and it is just not possible to factor in it's that's why they call it the butterfly effect right. some people call it that it's not an exactly scientific way of explaining it but the story goes you can you you have a butterfly here that flaps its wings mm. and somewhere out there it has caused a storm mm. so this seriously it can yeah. be that much relatable everything like, yeah so many different elements in a complex system connected to each other causes this thing called chaos mm. and it starts behaving in a way which is unpredictable okay. and yet there is pattern okay okay so there is order within all the disorder so, so that it's is very interesting simultaneous is coexisting with they, yeah exactly 
Wonderful. And this book is by James Gleek. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's a wonderful book. Chaos. Okay. Yeah. Any other books you want to share? I think Uh, I've read a lot. I think there is a book called Slight Edge uh, which I think you also know about. So Slight Edge is really a good book for understanding maybe um how to go about everyday life, mm. I would say. And I was probably in first year engineering when I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and I was initially like, wow, this is a really big book. How am I even going to read it? But once I started man i was hooked and it's really simple practical and he comes down to the basics okay i would really recommend that book and more recently there's a book called number that i've read which okay. is actually about the origin of numbers okay. so that's also very interesting lastly i think i will say behave behave okay. <clears throat> behave is uh, written by a, a stanford professor if i'm not wrong and it's about behavioral psychology and it's very interesting okay, okay it's about how evolution impacts our behavior as a species okay it's very interesting all right some good recommendations yeah. for people who want to explore i have seen your insta handle and there are some pictures and there are some life experiences there i've seen couple of them with your uh, grandpa okay so i'm curious about like what's how's your relationship with your uh, grandparents do you have any uh, unique stories to share about them I'm actually closer to my grandmom than anyone else in my family Really okay <laughs> So in some sense I was brought up by my grandparents actually as a kid like my parents were there but they had like a lot of work they were always out I just remember that I was brought up by them and I would actually call my grandmom amma mm-hmm. she was like a second mother to me So today we share a really like a really nice friendship mm. She's 70 plus but as I talked about curiosity She's an adult who has really retained her curiosity. She loves art and craft. She's always making something, she's always building something. And we could be sitting in a room and suddenly we will explode into a song. We both love music. Okay. We really love music and we sometimes just start singing together and there is this spontaneous like kacheri of sorts that happens oh, at okay. home. <laughs> so yeah, I I have fun with her. For okay sure. and yeah. and with your grandpa he was like a really multi talented person mm-hmm. he loved medicine he liked engineering so i could talk about anything with him and he so, would understand okay he could relate would, yeah he was a guy who i would go up to with like science questions or engineering questions and he had a collection of really weird books okay like the kind of books you would never <laughs> see some random book about how the ear works or how gear systems works absolutely random hmm. but beautiful collection and he was um, a voracious reader throughout his life okay okay so, so he also had some early influences in your a way towards picking up books and uh, okay okay definitely so i would try to read some through some of his collections most <laughs> of it made no sense but he was also a very multi passionate person anything he sees he will he'll want to fix that or build this so very curious fellow yeah so over the years have your goals and uh, dreams changed like initially when you started off you had a certain set of goals and ideas that you were heading towards so has it changed or has it evolved what is it not like drastically drastically okay yeah i never thought i would be doing what i'm doing now and that is so weird coming from an ambitious person i i knew that someday i would be this proper academician sitting in a place and maybe teaching a bunch of people in college and conducting research yes speaking about college i i, I know there is a <laughs> <laughs> there is a back story to your college days uh, while i understand that you were doing your engineering you actually in the middle of your engineering chose to take a break and or or chose not to continue with the course is that true see i was not entirely 
super happy with my engineering life and i had a wonderful life outside of college okay what like do you I, mean by wonderful life outside of college what what was so that so evenings uh, would be like these uh, virtual communities that i was part of we would discuss science and every weekend of my engineering life was at the planetarium mm. the jawaharlal nehru planetarium and they had a program running there called reap okay which is like a parallel program you can do along with college mm. so i would be learning from like different scientists from iia and iisc and they would bring a guest lecture every other sunday and i was getting exposed to absolutely mind blowing ideas one day we had a lecture about the physics of termite and there was this guy who who was studying like biophysics which is like a weird combination right, in itself yeah, yeah. but he's like an aeronautical engineer who turned into like a biophysicist so he was studying about how termites communicate hmm. such that they can build these termite hills properly oh, so fascinating okay <laughs> from there all the way to like cosmology lectures i was exposed to a lot hmm. so i loved my life outside of college <laughs> and i was also working on a couple of projects back then and i just decided to one semester i was like wow this is serving no purpose anymore me going to college i'm just going to study physics this sem and i just stopped going so i i want to know that conversation that you had with your parents when you <laughs> <laughs> declared <laughs> Hey this is what I have decided. So how did that go? They were really unhappy and confused. They right. were like what do you want? And to be honest, I was a confused teenager who was passionate but didn't know how to work her way around a not so great experience. From there I have grown a lot. I have a lot more clarity now and how to make decisions. But I think back then I just wanted to chill for a sem and do what I wanted. And I told them and they, every day they would be like are you going today by any chance? And I'm like nope. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually my college decided that they wanted me to graduate so badly so they pushed me to do it and they yeah. supported me so you were a bright kid anyways and academically you were doing pretty good which is why it was harder to right. drop out hmm. because everyone in college were like you absolutely <laughs> not you cannot drop out so right. it got harder to make that choice because otherwise if i could go back in time yeah maybe second year engineering tops i would have quit I would have definitely quit but I didn't think as a teenager I don't think I had the full courage and clarity to do so to do that yeah so I I broke in between but you were we were talking about your dreams and goals changing over the years yeah so, so what changed or uh, what has evolved yeah so I thought I would be like a proper traditional scientist types mm. but there was a small part of me mm. even in my teenagehood and i wanted to build like my own lab my own this thing have a place where different scientists could come and collaborate so i had these visions of kind of in some sense owning my own place right and i would want people to come to a place and some people will do neuroscience some people will study history so you could figure things out together so i imagined having a lab of my own um so today in hindsight i think there were basically signs of rebellion even towards the usual <laughs> academic structure <laughs> so it turns out i can today choose what i want to study mm. i spend at least 2 hours every day with students working on different projects mm. so i can be as nerdy as i want right but i get to in some sense have the freedom of choosing that experience mm -hmm. and i am so inspired by the cause that i have right now there are hundreds of students who've been a part of nakshatra and in some sense i'm creating hundreds of scientists right which right. is a lot bigger picture than me becoming one so in some sense it's a sacrifice hmm i often think of it as that <laughs> because some days i just want to stop all of this business stuff and just take a physics book and read right so that urge is still there but i heard this actually one one of my mentors 
he says you can either be a time teller or a clock builder <clears throat> that basically means yeah so you could be an einstein so you're telling the time you're maybe creating really great work or you could be someone like abdul kalam or someone who created an entire structure for more scientists to come out and become right. uh, their best versions so he created uh, the spaces for them to explore further and yeah. really nurture them yeah so okay. you can either go out and create a whole ecosystem mm. to achieve an ideology or you can become one of them mm. and it's more tempting to become one of them right. because there are not enough clock builders out there there are a lot of time tellers interesting so yeah uh, what is your definition of success when i say the word success what comes to mind i think it's deeply subjective mm. i think success is so subjective if there is one person doing something simple like maybe he rides a horse <laughs> or has a boat and he's happy i think that's success for him what what's you, what is it for you so for me i think it i try to measure my success in terms of impact mm. so at some point i want to have created a value large enough to put like a really positive dent in people's lives and mm. i'm usually inspired by entrepreneurs similarly uh, who who create some kind of dent in your daily life mm. that we take for granted today but they have created it and yeah i want to change things change the way things happen today especially in the education system but i don't subscribe to one definition of success mm. whether it is monetary or whether it is in terms of fame yeah for some reason i'm not motivated by it <laughs> i know i should be as an no, owner, that's but cool i think like end of the day we still have stories of a lot of people who have made it really big and they are living very dissatisfied or unfulfilled lives so there there is something to contemplate or think about other ladder leaning the against the right wall it's yeah it's you want to make a lot of money which is fine right but you're doing it in order to live a day the way you want to yeah yeah so if i can already do the things i love right in some sense i really subscribe to that version of happiness and right. fulfillment so what is something that very few people are talking about right now but everyone will be talking about it maybe a year or two from now wow tricky question oh this needs thinking so i think people have already started to realize that collaboration matters mm -hmm. and if you look at the name of my company it, it's nakshatra sciences and collaborative research but it really like the word collaborate is something i i was very connected to mm. because i i was thinking in terms of what if a mathematician meets a programmer and then meets a neuroscientist and they all come together to build something different. Mm. So I was very obsessed with this idea of collaboration. And I think you're starting to see that manifest in different ways, mm. whether it's like the metaverse or whatever, you you basically want to bring people together. Mm. So I think the way communities are run and the way people talk to each other will drastically change and improve over the next two years. And the rigid boundaries between subjects will will stop being recognized mm. so rigidly so there will be more flexible definitions of who a person is mm. and there, i think there will be more generalists like me yeah i think in that, the future yeah. than specialists yeah <laughs> I, i think there is a huge need for that too i think uh, we had emphasized too much on being the specialist whereas i think generalists have a more wider uh, impact because they really have a idea of so many other things apart from the only core subject yeah so today we teach children what do you want to become mm. and then we try to box their entire identity yeah. but we don't realize there's often like underlying like an underlying dichotomy or subtleties to their identity 
there are so many things to it i like i love music and it's a really important part of my identity for mm. me but i also love the idea of starting new businesses but that doesn't mean i cannot go back and study physics absolutely so there are so many shades to every human mm. so i think we, we will revolutionize the edu- education system to look at people uh, more in in more dimensions mm. rather than a single dimension mm. you spoke about music so you went on to study music or it is again uh, something you explore in your free time i studied carnatic music for quite some time okay uh, but right now every night it's my way of just relaxing unwinding and unwinding so at 11 pm i start singing and the whole neighborhood is <laughs> so annoyed really <laughs> i don't let my neighbors sleep but uh, it's i love it so every night i have to sing a little bit or would you, would you be willing to share maybe a a, no. a, a short bit <laughs> that's not happening no no like a short version of something that you would like to anyway your neighbors are benefited let the podcast also What's, sing yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you're surprising me in more ways than one in this podcast now i've heard there was a secret chord that david played and it pleased the lord but you don't really care for music do ya it goes like this the four the fifth the minor fall and the major left the baffled king composing hallelujah 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 your faith was strong but you needed proof you saw her bathing on the roof her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you she tied you to her kitchen chair she broke your throne and she cut your hair and from your lips she drew hallelujah wow that was so beautiful Thank you. Thank you for doing that. I've never heard somebody sing live so much in proximity. So this is this is quite an experience for me. <laughs> this is this is going to be an oddity <laughs> in your podcast. But okay. Oh, so now we move to a segment which is called the rapid fire round oh, where okay. uh, you don't have to rush to the answers but my questions will be rushed. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay, you're ready for the rapid fire? Yeah. All right. So let's do the rapid fire round with Sitara. All right so what's something new happening in your life right now I'm learning how to play the mouth organ the harmonica Oh really Yeah <laughs> Okay <laughs> I should have asked you to get that <laughs> In which subject were you best at school I was best in both physics and biology I Physics and bio okay oh, I really loved bio You never were interested to become something like you didn't want to pursue to be in medicine No I said if, if I was not in love with physics I would become a wildlife zoologist I ah, love wildlife. I interesting. love Interesting. Uh, yeah. I like biology quite a bit. Your Instagram handle has some amazing pictures of these uh, Lizards animals and, and whenever I hike I try to identify different species. Yeah, ecology is a fascinating mm-hmm. field. Amazing. Okay. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? Interesting question. Probably like somewhere near Iceland or Norway so that I could see the northern lights every day. Okay. What's the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them? energy 
I know that's a vague answer. No, it, it counts. Like it, it, it's the same for me. I feel I generally like I sense their energies, how they feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like every other personality trait or f- physical features, it yeah. takes a backseat for me. Like immediately, I just try to sense um, th- their energy and. Is there any favorite show that you binge watch? I love Seinfeld. Okay. It's a show about nothing. So the whole day I'm using my brain and I want a period of my day where I'm absolutely <laughs> not, not using brain. my brain. So I love watching Seinfeld. Okay. Have you ever stolen anything? Yes. And I cannot believe I'm <laughs> admitting this. Would <laughs> 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 you, you want to share? <laughs> this is bad for my PR. I don't think we should do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh god this is fun so you want to go deeper to confess what this is. is really bad for my pr okay so when i was in seventh grade i i don't know i was reading stuff and i i came up with this new personal philosophy that as long as you're stealing knowledge it's not stealing mm. so i would go and steal books okay interesting i, I just don't put that on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely going I've in, only so. stolen two books but yeah I stole them and I it was worth the read wonderful um, and yeah. it's still there in your library yep <laughs> okay <laughs> if you had to teach one subject what are you teaching I still teach astronomy yeah. so that's definitely one subject I would teach okay. and programming I love coding so okay yeah okay have you ever left a one star rating on something what did you review and why did you rate it that way the recent Batman movie really sucked. <laughs> you gave a one-star rating for that? Yeah, like I would still give it a one-star rating. Okay, so you do that. Okay, so the movie was a bad experience. So you're regular, do you regularly give feedback when you have a bad experience for things generally? I try to give a feedback because there's room for improvement. <laughs> Wonderful, okay. Yeah, but usually I try to leave something nice, especially if I go to restaurants or something. I try to leave like a nice feedback. Nice, okay. Do you prefer working remotely or in an office setup? My experience so far has been completely remote. Mm. So if you ask me like a year ago, I would say remote. Like I want to work from Goa or Gokarna and I just like the idea of it. But right now I have become more sensitive to team dynamics, Mm. how to bring out the best in people. So as a leader of a bunch of like 15 interns, it feels necessary uh, to have a, a workspace. Okay. Yeah. So I would prefer that now. What do you do to unwind after a long day of work? I think we got a flavor yeah. of that, but... <laughs> Maybe, yeah, it's either yoga, reading or music. Okay, sure. okay. Yeah. Do you have any annual family traditions? Oh, God. We have so many festivals <laughs> and every year there is like a tradition. But apart from that, usually on New Year, we try to meet like mm-hmm. all our relatives. Mm-hmm. And then we force all the grandmothers and uncles to drink like a small amount of rum. Okay. So that's usually our tradition. Nice. Like. <laughs> okay. All the books in the world if were, were to disappear mm-hmm. and you're left with except three. Which books are you keeping? This is so tough. Ah, oh, okay. I can take my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can revisit that. Okay. What is something that you have done in your life that no one would expect? I have been lost in countries where I don't know the language in the middle of the night and I have hitchhiked with random people so yeah I've been on a few adventures where man it, like if something had gone wrong it would have gone terribly <laughs> wrong but fortunately I've, I've survived most of those interesting okay uh, if you're banned uh, or not if you're banned if uh, internet is banned for two straight months <clears throat> what are some things that you will be doing 
I would be reading, but hopefully like in a beach or something or on a mountain top. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is something that is wildly popular that you can't get into? TikTok? <laughs> I just cannot make reels and I'm trying as a creator content creator I'm supposed to be doing it. Right. Every day I'm like today I'm going to make a reel and it's just I am not a social media influencer type. It takes a lot of motivation for me to put something out there which features me. So still cannot figure out how people do it. Okay, wonderfully performed in this rapid fire round. Uh, you want to revisit the book question? Okay, so I think if if there were only 3 books, they would have to preserve human knowledge in a sense. Mm. Uh so that's really important. So I think there's something called the Feynman lectures. Mm. I would try to preserve that. Mm. It's one of the best interpretations of science and physics communicated in a beautiful way. Mm. So that lecture series would definitely have to be preserved. Apart from that, perhaps again you have to <laughs> pause this or something <laughs> because there's just so many. Yeah, so I think I would definitely keep a zero to one because okay. if there were new people who want to start something or like a new civilization that wants to like start something, this is probably a good guide. And apart from that, there is a book called the Story of Philosophy by Will Durant. Okay. I think I would preserve that. It gives a holistic overview of all the famous philosophers and their ideas, everyone from Aristotle to Plato and Socrates. I would preserve that. It has some of the most uh, valuable ideas of the last few centuries. Okay, wonderful. I think uh, this was one of the most fun rounds of rapid fire I've done with my guests. So okay. thank you. I think I, I think even <clears throat> though our uh, conversations were wide ranging, I felt it was information dense. It was really nice to. uh hear your thoughts and uh, you being such a young achiever in your life i think this could be a great inspiration for people also listening to so thank you for really uh, coming in and uh, sharing your thoughts uh, you have any final uh, thoughts to share no it is it was absolutely amazing i usually don't talk about myself because i'm always figuring out who else to interview <laughs> <laughs> trying to bring in people and scientists but it's very rare that i talk about the story of nakshatra especially so it's wonderful to have been here i'm very happy and if people want to check out more about you mm -hmm. are there any social handles that you would like to share yeah i think instagram you can go to at the rate of nakshatra by the way we have a weird spelling so it's <laughs> if you've noticed it's yes. n a x x a t r a um, and why is that is there, is there a reason you chose that way Yeah so I wanted it to first of all initial idea was just one x mm -hmm. and then later I googled and I found a music band mm -hmm. with the same spelling okay so I just wanted it to be not the conventional spelling right. that's something I knew I didn't want <laughs> when you when you know what you don't want you try to figure out improvisations but I think in sanskrit also you write nakshatra mm -hmm. and it just that the x actually behaves as a nice replacement for that ksha sound okay so provides that emphasis so i actually like having nice. the double x <laughs> I, i'm told that you are you have an understanding or you can speak multiple languages i think yeah most of us can but yeah i can speak a few <laughs> like look, look of course we know the indian languages so so yeah. in total how many languages can you speak um about 6 maybe okay and what are those so english and uh, broken hindi okay. but i'm counting it <laughs> kannada tamil Sanskrit and broken German. Wow! So Sanskrit is not something which we get to hear people list in their no list yeah. of list of no, you know known languages. So how come you're good with Sanskrit? Is it? 
Yeah, uh, I got interested in maybe something like ninth grade, and then I quit that school and got into another school where I took up Sanskrit as my first language. Mm. And I never, I had never studied like the Devanagari script, so I had to learn the alphabets like ten days before my tenth grade began. Okay. But I was interested because, firstly, if you look at things like astronomy and physics, those texts are obviously written in Sanskrit. Mm. So if I have to ever revisit them. It's better if I know the language directly. Okay, okay. Rather than reading somebody else's interpretation. Right, you can go to the source material, right? Yeah, so. and there has been some absolutely brilliant work. Hmm. You obviously know about Aryabhatta and yes. Zero and all, but that's just like the top layer. There has been so much of development in mathematics in ancient India. But the other thing is, it, Sanskrit is structured very algorithmically. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful language, grammatically speaking. Everything is like in a tabular fashion. and you have a formula you want to create this new word oh. you take this add it to that and you get this new <laughs> word it's almost like a programming language so there is a syntax so, to it there is a syntax right right and there are formulas that you can learn which if you learn you'll be able to produce anything i just loved how the grammar was structured so i took some time in about 10 days i went to a 10 day camp organized by sanskrit bharati and it's actually not that hard to get fluent in sanskrit wonderful yeah why don't you just close this uh, with something uh, stating in sanskrit telling this was a good conversation yeah dhanyavadaha manoj adya episode bahu uttamam asit tah karyam api bahu uttamam asti bhavan etateva karishyatu okay dhanyavadaha i hope you're telling nice things about the <laughs> show <laughs> could you tell that in english also now <laughs> i said you did a wonderful job and what you're doing with the podcast is amazing so please continue to do the work in the future thank you and i, I am also equally delighted to have you on the show and um, really very inspired with the vision the vision and the mission that you are uh, striving towards and uh, you are a role model to a lot of youngsters who are actually part of your community uh, so wish you all the best for um, the next phase of nakshatra and i uh, really hope that we have a round two sometime in this future yeah i would love to it was a very interesting conversation i didn't actually expect it to be so broad and <laughs> you asked me quite a few challenging questions so definitely kept me on my toes thank, thank you. you all right so on that note let's call it a day and uh, let's wind up so guys uh, if you really enjoyed this show all the show notes and all the links uh, to whatever were mentioned in this conversation will be made available uh, at www.rareearth.com and uh, hope you enjoy as much as i did thank you either be a time teller or a clock builder <clears throat> that basically means yeah so you could be an einstein so you're telling the time you're maybe creating really great work or you could be someone like abdul kalam or someone who created an entire structure for more scientists to come out and become right. uh, their best versions so he created uh, the spaces for them to explore further and yeah. really nurture them yeah okay. so you can either go out and create a whole ecosystem mm. to achieve an ideology or you can become one of them mm. and it's more tempting to become one of them right. because there are not enough clock builders out there there are a lot of time tellers interesting so yeah uh, what is your definition of success when i say the word success what comes to mind I think it's deeply subjective. Mm. I think success is so subjective. If there is one person doing something simple like maybe he rides a horse <laughs> <laughs> or has a boat and he's happy, I think that's success for him. What what's you, what is it for you? So for me I think it I try to measure my success in terms of impact. Mm. So at some point I want to have created a value large enough 
to put like a really positive dent in people's lives and i'm usually inspired by entrepreneurs similarly uh, who who create some kind of dent in your daily life mm. that we take for granted today but they have created it and yeah i want to change things change the way things happen today especially in the education system but i don't subscribe to one definition of success mm. whether it is monetary or whether it's in terms of fame yeah for some reason i'm not motivated by it <laughs> i know i should be as an no, owner, that's but cool i think like end of the day we still have stories of a lot of people who have made it really big and they are living very dissatisfied or unfulfilled lives so there there is something to contemplate or think about other ladder leaning the against the right wall it's yeah it's you want to make a lot of money which is fine right but you're doing it in order to live a day the way you want to yeah yeah so if i can already do the things i love right in some sense i really subscribe to that version of happiness and right. fulfillment so what is something that very few people are talking about right now but everyone will be talking about it maybe a year or two from now wow tricky question oh this needs thinking so i think people have already started to realize that collaboration matters mm -hmm. and if you look at the name of my company it, it's nakshatra sciences and collaborative research but it really like the word collaborate is something i i was very connected to mm. because i i was thinking in terms of what if a mathematician meets a programmer and then meets a neuroscientist and they all come together to build something different mm. so i was very obsessed with this idea of collaboration and i think you're starting to see that manifest in different ways mm. whether it's like the metaverse or whatever you you basically want to bring people together mm. so i think the way communities are run and the way people talk to each other will drastically change and improve over the next two years and the rigid boundaries between subjects will will stop being recognized mm. so rigidly so there will be more flexible definitions of who a person is mm. and there, i think there will be more generalists like me yeah i think in the, the future yeah, than specialists yeah <laughs> I, i think there is a huge need for that too i think uh, we had emphasized too much on being the specialist whereas i think generalists have a more wider uh, impact because they really have a idea of so many other things apart from the only core subject yeah so today we teach children what do you want to become mm. and then we try to box their entire identity yeah. but we don't realize there's often like underlying like an underlying dichotomy or subtleties to their identity there are so many things to it i like i love music and it's a really important part of my identity for mm. me but i also love the idea of starting new businesses but that doesn't mean i cannot go back and study physics absolutely so there are so many shades to every human mm. so i think we, we will revolutionize the ed education system to look at people uh, more in in more dimensions mm. rather than a single dimension mm. you spoke about music so you went on to study music or it is again uh, something you explore in your free time i studied carnatic music for quite some time okay uh, but right now every night it's my way of just relaxing unwinding and unwinding so at 11 pm i start singing and the whole neighborhood is <laughs> so annoyed really <laughs> i don't let my neighbors sleep but uh, it's i love it so every night i have to sing a little bit or would you, would you be willing to share maybe a a, no. a, a short bit <laughs> that's not happening no no like a short version of something that you would like to anyway your neighbors are benefited let the podcast also What's, sing yeah no. <laughs> oh man you're surprising me in more ways than one in this podcast it's going to come out good go for it mm. 
Now I've heard there was a secret card that David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do ya? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth The minor fall and the major lift The baffled king composing Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof, her beauty and the moonlight overthrew ya. She tied you to her kitchen chair, she broke your throne and she cut your hair, and from your lips she drew the hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wow, that was so beautiful. I've never heard somebody sing live so much in proximity. So this is this is quite an experience for me. <laughs> this is this is going to be an oddity in your podcast, but okay. So now we move to a segment which is called the rapid fire round oh, where okay. uh, you don't have to rush to the answers but my questions will be rushed. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, you're ready for the rapid fire? Yeah. All right. So let's do the rapid fire round with Sitara. All right. So what's something new happening in your life right now? I'm learning how to play the mouth organ, the harmonica. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I should have asked you to get that. <laughs> In which subject were you best at school? I was best in both physics and biology. I physics and that. bio? Okay. Oh, I really loved biology. You never were interested to become something, like you didn't want to pursue to be in medicine? No. I said if, if I was not in love with physics, I would become a wildlife zoologist. I ah, love wildlife. I interesting. love... Uh, yeah, I like biology quite a bit. Your Not Insta handle has some amazing pictures of these uh, lizards animals and, and whenever I hike, I try to identify different species. Yeah, ecology is a fascinating field. Amazing. Okay. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? Interesting question. Probably like somewhere near Iceland or Norway so that I could see the northern lights every day. Okay. What's the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them? Energy. I know that's a vague answer. <laughs> no, it, it counts. Like it, it, it's the same for me. I feel I generally like I sense their energies, how they feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that's... every other personality trait or f physical features, it yeah. takes a backseat for me. Like immediately, I just try to sense um, th their energy and. Is there any favorite show that you binge watch? I love Seinfeld. Okay. It's a show about nothing, so. The whole day I'm using my brain and I want a period of my day where I'm absolutely <laughs> not, not using brain. my brain. So I love watching Seinfeld. Okay. Have you ever stolen anything? Yes. And I cannot believe <laughs> I'm admitting this. <laughs> would you, would you want to share? <laughs> this is bad for my PR. I don't think we should do this. <laughs> 
Oh god, this is fun. So you want to go deeper to confess? But this is really bad for my PR. Okay, so when I was in seventh grade, I I don't know, I was reading stuff and I I came up with this new personal philosophy that as long as you're stealing knowledge, it's not stealing. Mm. So I would go and steal books. Okay, interesting. I I just don't put that on the podcast. <laughs> This is definitely going. I've in, only so. stolen two books, but yeah, I stole them and I it was worth the read. Wonderful. Um, and yeah. it's still there in your library? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If you had to teach one subject, what are you teaching? I still teach astronomy, yeah. so that's definitely one subject I would teach okay. and programming. I love coding, so Okay. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever left a one star rating on something? What did you review and why did you rate it that way? The recent Batman movie really sucked. <laughs> you gave a one star rating for that? Yeah, like I would still give it a one star rating. Okay, so you do that. Okay, so the movie was a bad experience. So you regular do you regularly give feedback when you have a bad experience with things generally? I try to give a feedback because there's room for improvement. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. But usually I try to leave something nice, especially if I go to restaurants or something. I try to leave like a nice feedback. Nice. Okay. Do you prefer working remotely or in an office setup? My experience so far has been completely remote. Mm. So if you ask me like a year ago I would say remote like I want to work from Goa or Gokarna and I just like the idea of it. But right now I have become more sensitive to team dynamics, mm. how to bring out the best in people. So as a leader of a bunch of like 15 interns, it feels necessary uh to have a, a workspace. Okay. Yeah, so I would prefer that now. What do you do to unwind after a long day of work? I think we got a flavor yeah. of that but <laughs> maybe yeah it's either yoga reading or music okay sure. okay yeah. do you have any annual family traditions oh god we have so many festivals <laughs> and every year there is like a tradition but apart from that usually on new year we try to meet like mm-hmm. all our relatives mm-hmm. and then we force all the grandmothers and uncles to drink like a small amount of rum Okay. So that's usually our tradition. Nice. Like. <laughs> okay. All the books in the world if were, were to disappear mm. and you're left with except 3, which books are you keeping? This is so tough. Ah, oh, okay. I can take my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can revisit that. Okay. What is something that you have done in your life that no one would expect? I have been lost in countries where i don't know the language in the middle of the night and i have hitchhiked with random people so yeah i've been on a few adventures where man it, like if something had gone wrong it would have gone terribly <laughs> wrong but fortunately i've i've survived most of those interesting okay uh if your band uh, or not if your band if uh, internet is banned for two straight months <clears throat> what are some things that you will be doing i would be reading but hopefully like in a beach or something or on a mountain top okay <laughs> yeah. What is something that is wildly popular that you can't get into? TikTok? <laughs> I just cannot make reels and I'm trying as a creator content creator I'm supposed to be doing it. <laughs> right. Every day I'm like today I'm going to make a reel and it's just I am not a social media influencer type. It takes a lot of motivation for me to put something out there which features me. So still cannot figure out how people do it. Okay, wonderfully performed in this rapid fire round. Uh, you want to revisit the book question? Okay, so I think if if there were only 3 books, they would have to preserve human knowledge in essence. Mm. Uh so that's really important. So I think there's something called the Feynman lectures. Mm. I would try to preserve that. 
It's mm. one of the best interpretations of science and physics communicated in a beautiful way. Mm. So that lecture series would definitely have to be preserved. Apart from that, perhaps again, you have to <laughs> pause this or something <laughs> because there's just so many. Yeah, so I think I would definitely keep a 0 to 1 because Okay. if there were new people who want to start something or like a new civilization that wants to like start something this is probably a good guide and apart from that there is a book called the story of philosophy by will durant okay i think i would preserve that it gives a holistic overview of all the famous philosophers and their ideas everyone from aristotle to plato and socrates i would preserve that it has some of the most Uh, valuable ideas of the last few centuries. Okay, wonderful. I think uh, this was one of the most fun rounds of rapid fires I've done with my guests. So okay. thank you. I think I, I think even <clears throat> though our uh, conversations were wide ranging, I felt it was information dense. It was really nice to uh, hear your thoughts and uh, you being such a young achiever in your life. I think this could be a great inspiration for people also listening to. So thank you for really uh, coming in and uh, sharing your thoughts. Uh, you have any final uh, thoughts to share? No, it is it was absolutely amazing. I usually don't talk about myself because I'm always figuring out who else to interview. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to bring in people and scientists, but it's very rare that I talk about the story of Nakshatra especially. So it's wonderful to have been here. I'm very happy. And if people want to check out more about you, mm -hmm. are there any social handles that you would like to Share? Yeah, I think Instagram you can go to at the rate of nakshatra. By the way, we have a weird spelling, so it's <laughs> if you've noticed it's yes. N A X X A T R A. Um, and why is that? Is there, is there a reason you chose that way? Yeah, so I wanted it to first of all initial idea was just one X. Mm -hmm. And then later I googled and I found a music band mm -hmm. with the same spelling. Okay. So I just wanted it to be not the conventional spelling right. that's something i knew i didn't want <laughs> when you when you know what you don't want you try to figure out improvisations but i think in sanskrit also you write nakshatra mm -hmm. and it's just that the x actually behaves as a nice replacement for that ksha sound okay so it provides that emphasis so i actually like having nice. the double x <laughs> I, i'm told that you are you have an understanding or you can speak multiple languages I think yeah most of us can but yeah I can speak a few <laughs> like look, look of course we know the indian languages so so yeah. in total how many languages can you speak um about 6 maybe okay and what are those so english and uh, broken hindi okay. but i'm counting it <laughs> kannada tamil sanskrit and broken german wow so sanskrit is not something which we get to hear people list in their no list yeah. of list of no you know known languages so how come you're good with sanskrit is it yeah uh, i got interested in maybe something like ninth grade and then i quit that school and got into another school where i took up sanskrit as my first language mm. and i never i had never studied like the devanagari script so i had to learn the alphabets like 10 days before my 10th grade began okay. but i was interested because firstly if you look at things like astronomy and physics those texts are obviously written in sanskrit hmm. so if i have to ever revisit them it's better if i know the language directly okay okay rather than reading somebody else's interpretation right you can go to the source material right yeah so. and there has been some absolutely brilliant work hmm. you obviously know about aryabhatta and yes. zero and all but that's just like the top layer there has been so much of development in mathematics in ancient india but the other thing is it sanskrit is structured very algorithmically mm -hmm. it's it's a beautiful language grammatically speaking everything is like in a tabular fashion 
and you have a formula you want to create this new word oh. you take this add it to that and you get this new <laughs> word it's almost like a programming language so there is a syntax so, to it there is a syntax right right and there are formulas that you can learn which if you learn you'll be able to produce anything i just loved how the grammar was structured so i took some time in about 10 days i went to a 10 day camp organized by sanskrita bharati and it's actually not that hard to get fluent in sanskrit wonderful yeah why don't you just close this uh, with something uh, stating in sanskrit telling this was a good conversation yeah dhanyavadah manoj adya episode bahu uttamam asit bhavatah karyam api bahu uttamam asti bhavan etateva karishyatu okay dhanyavadah i hope you're telling nice things about the show <laughs> Could you tell that in English also now? <laughs> I said you did a wonderful job and what you're doing with the podcast is amazing. So please continue to do the work in the future. Thank you and I I am also equally delighted to have you on the show and um, really very inspired with the vision the vision and the mission that you are uh, striving towards and uh, you are a role model to a lot of youngsters who are actually part of your community. Uh, so wish you all the best for um, the next phase of Nakshatra. and i really hope that we have a round two sometime in this future yeah i would love to it was a very interesting conversation i didn't actually expect it to be so broad and you asked me quite a few challenging questions so definitely kept me on my toes thank, thank you. you all right so on that note let's call it a day and uh, let's wind up so guys uh, if you really enjoyed this show all the show notes and all the links uh, to whatever were mentioned in this conversation will be made available uh, at www.rareearth.com and uh, hope you enjoy as much as i did thank you i hope you enjoyed the show all the key points discussed will be available in the show notes section at www.rareearth.com that is r a r e e r t h.com thank you for listening to this podcast if you really enjoyed please do give me your feedback review and rate on itunes or any listening app of your choice do subscribe and share thank you